Good morning, One Chapel. I'm so happy to be worshiping with you today. Even though it's online, uh, I do look forward to worshiping together physically. But in the meantime, just meeting together in these moments with worship and uh, joining our voices together, even though it's from a distance, still has a tremendous amount of power. And as one of my great mentors used to say, Oral Roberts, he said that there is no distance in prayer. And so let's pray this morning and let's turn our hearts toward the scriptures and what God wants to say to us today. Father, we thank you for your presence here among us and that your spirit is active in us and around us, in our family, in our homes Lord, we pray that you would now lead us and guide us as we open the scriptures. As the light comes in, would you give us revelation and would you give us grace to be able to obey? We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the future of One Chapel. I want to talk to you about where we've been and where we're going. I think it's so clear that we've been in an incredibly challenging season with coronavirus, the pandemic, economic downturn, and then really our national discussion on the racial tension that we're all experiencing and the wounds that are historical in our culture. It's been a really tough season. But the thing that I've heard from most of you as I have talked to some of you and we've been having dialogue together. I hear a lot about what are we doing next? When are we going to meet again? Where are we going in this next season? Um, How are we going to move forward? And what the truth is, is I've heard a lot of when and what and where and how. Today, I want to talk to you about why. I want us to get back to the purpose and the why of our church. I want to talk about where we are now and where we're going in the future. And this is an essential question for us to ask. Why are we meeting? Why is our name One Chapel? Why are we gathered like this and how will we gather in the future? To clarify our identity together is really important in this season. Who we are and why we exist, because this is a confusing time for all of us. There are forces trying to define us and determine our future. And I want us to think deeply about this kind of question because the truth is if we look at what we've just come through and what we're in now a pandemic is something that pulled us apart physically and then you drop fear in the middle of that fear of death fear of getting sick and then in the middle of that you pour the the most historical wound of our nation 
racial tension and unrest into the middle of that and, and the dialogue that, that is happening all around us, there is no more diabolical plan than that to divide us, to, to spread us apart, to, to pull our hearts apart from each other. And I think this is a moment for us to pull together instead. Because make no mistake, whatever the enemy of our souls means for evil, God has a purpose and a plan. He has something good that he's wanting to do in this season with the pandemic, with the economic struggles we've been through, with the racial dialogue about equality. He has a good purpose for our church as we move forward. And so I want to talk about that today because it's time for us to begin the process of lifting our eyes to where we're going. I want to begin with Ephesians 4, 3 through 6. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the Ephesian believers in Ephesus and he's challenging them. And I want you to look at it. It says, make every effort. Now, let's just pause here. Every effort. Think about what that means. When you see that kind of phrase in the scripture, you've got to look at the next phrase with a profound sense of direction. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Look at this. This idea that we are one and that we are united as a group of people. Paul says that you got to make extra effort. Actually, I, I looked up what that little phrase meant. And, and, and if you'll go to that there on the screen, it says to make haste. When you, when you peel apart what Paul was saying, make haste, give diligence, hasten, be eager, be zealous even to make sure that you are keeping the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's a profound idea. The Apostle Paul knew that this ragtag group of Gentiles and Jews and others from different parts of the world who had converged in this area of the world were going to have a tough time keeping it all together if he didn't coach them this way. We pick it up again in the next sentence. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Now, I want you to think about this. One body, one body is the idea that we belong to each other. When you look at one spirit, this is the idea that all of us have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. It's dwelling inside of each of us and pulls us together. He's interested in us being one together with him, one hope, this says. You are called to one hope. In other words, you look to the future. You and I look to the future with optimism. I don't know about you, but it's been tough sometimes during this season to look to the future with optimism, to be hopeful in this season. Listen, this is what we're called to together. This is who we are. 
one hope. And then the next sentence, it says, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One Lord means there's only one master, one savior, one who we serve, one faith that draws us all together. In fact, we are communal in the way we practice our faith. We don't practice it separately. We don't practice it individually. What you and I share is a communal faith, a connected faith, a faith that is so important for us to embrace one another because when someone tries to practice this faith individually, they always get lost. They always get distracted. They always see, find, find that somewhere along their journey, they get a myopic view, a tunnel vision of their own faith. Our faith is communal and one baptism simply means that we identify with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then the final one is one God and Father of us all who is over all and through all and in all. Listen, make every effort to keep these seven ones, these seven ideas where you and, you, you and I unite around them, where we stay connected to them, where we engage them together, this, these seven ones are what defines us as a people. And so we're under a tremendous amount of pressure right now in our culture from politics and media and racial division that, that there's, a, there's a tendency for you and for me to be discipled, to be more discipled by these politics, by these news and media outlets than we are discipled by Jesus himself. I think it's so important for us to realize that we are in danger even as the American church is going through a reshaping and reforming. We've got to see that Jesus is the one we must follow, that our discipleship is about how he would respond in our time and about how he did respond in his time of cultural unrest, of political uh, tyranny and of, of the, the dynamics of economics that he walked through in his time period. It was difficult. It was a challenging season of history, that Roman Empire history and the group of people that he was born into, the Jews and how they interfaced with this empire. Listen, if we look to Jesus, if we look to the way he interacted with people who were oppressed and poor, we'll understand what we should do. If we will look to Jesus for how he, was, he tried to be trapped by the religious leaders with different questions. And on one occasion, he said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and God's to what is God's. In other words, there is a wisdom that we must have as we engage with our politics, as we engage with our discussions about what's going on in our country, we have to be the people who are not going to let all of these forces define us. That we will look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we got to ask ourselves some hard questions as we look forward. Because truth be told, uh, what we're experiencing right now with online church is changing 
our mindset. What we're experiencing with COVID-19 is changing the way we see our, our gatherings and, and, and what we see for us in the future. So we have to ask really hard questions, deep questions, and it matters what you answer as part of the One Chapel family. It matters what you say on social media. It matters what your voice sounds like. It matters what your attitude and heart is. It matters that you understand that you are one with people. You're one with a group of people who surrender all their opinions and all of their disagreements. They surrender those things to Jesus and they live under a banner together that looks to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. And this is so significant because the problem isn't disagreement. The problem is disunity. The problem isn't having discussion. The problem is divisiveness. The problem that we're facing is we've got to figure out how to be in our culture, live in it, and act like Jesus in it. I want to draw your attention to that today. I was listening to a, one of our members who happens to be, happens to be black, and she, she was telling me this story about a person that she knows at one chapel, and they're friends, and, and she saw them post something on Facebook that shocked her and surprised her because she didn't know she had this perspective politically. It was very discouraging to her. And what happened, I, as she told me the story, she just said, I just didn't know. And now I know what they think. And I don't know what to do about that. I'm hurt by it. I don't know how I'll feel when I see her in the lobby again once we start meeting physically. And I just thought to myself, this is our challenge. This is our struggle. We have to be so aware of what is going on with our people in our church. We have to be aware that what we say and what we do and how we act affects other people because we are one. We are united. And listen, if we don't do it well in here, we're not going to do it great out there. If we don't do it well with each other, if we don't know how to have these discussions, if we don't know how to have these disagreements, if we can't talk about different points of view with love and compassion and empathy and sensitivity, if we can't do that in here, we're going to have trouble doing it with people who are out in our everyday life as neighbors and coworkers that need to know who Jesus is and are looking at us with a skeptical eye as a Christian. We got to do better. We got to do better. Matthew 12, 25 says, Jesus knew their thoughts. He was talking to religious leaders and he says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. It's well known that there's a long history in our country. The most segregated hour of the week in our culture is Sunday morning church. And there's a, there's a, there's a struggle here in the larger church, the big C church, that we've got to make sure we understand we cannot be divided. We cannot, we cannot abide disunity. We must root it out. We must commit to a united faith, 
a, a, a working together and, a, and a, not uniformity, but unity. I was meeting with a black pastor who is, is a pastor of our, uh, a church in our city. And um, we, were, we were meeting this last week and just talking about our histories and, and, and sharing. And we were doing it on purpose. I, I, I reached out to him and he responded. And we, we just sat and talked for a few hours about where we come from, what our perspective is of what's going on in the city, what's happening around us and what we should do about it. There's a long journey there, I promise you, that I've got to take and that you've got to take, we've got to take together. But it was so powerful to just begin to see that even though we're different and even though we might worship differently and even though we might have different, a different history, that we might be, come together for the purpose of Jesus, the purpose of Christ in our city. And that's what I want to guide our thought process as we're ramping up into this next season. What does it look like to be one? Why is that so important? Well, Jesus describes this kind of unity in Matthew 16, verse 18 through 19. And it's a famous passage. It says, I will build my church. Jesus guaranteed it. He's the head of the church. We don't have to criticize it. Jesus is leading us. What we just need to do is respond to him. He says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Keep going. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in, in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall also be loosed in heaven. There's a powerful thing that happens when people agree. Jesus was identifying the incredible power he has given his church when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it because when they decide that they are one in Christ, that there is nothing that can stand against them. There is nothing on earth or heaven that is with, uh, outside, of our, outside of our grasp, outside of our agreement. We really have to get this, that disunity and division and disconnection is the problem. And all of these ones that we're talking about, that Paul talks about, and what Jesus is talking about here, all of these, as they're being described, lead us to understand this one idea right here that I'm going to share with you. We need to understand that we have one enemy. We need to understand that we have one enemy. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Listen to me, church. All of this unity, all of these areas of, of, of unifying together around faith and, and baptism and hope and lordship and that what God is doing with us, it leads us to ask the question, why? Why? What, what's so important? Well, you got to understand you got an enemy. The devil is a divider. He is a divider. And that's, that's, his, that's, that's his 
character. That's what he does. That's who he is. The Greek word for devil is diabolos, and it shares a root word with diabolene, which means to split. To split. The devil's a splitter, a divider, a wedge driver. He divided Adam and Eve in the garden. He divided Adam and Eve from God. He divides you and me from each other and divides us from God if he can. The devil's primary goal is division, disunity and disconnectedness. That's his goal. Listen, listen, listen. Racism is sinful. There's no doubt about it. It's despicable, but it causes division, which is why it's useful to the enemy. Which is why it's a tool of the devil, but it's, it's the goal of the enemy that's the problem. Division, right? Gossip is sinful, right? Gossip is sinful. It's, it's wrong, but it creates disunity. And that's why it's a useful tool to the enemy. Trauma is destructive for all of us, but disconnectedness and separation is the enemy's primary goal. Listen, sins, sin separates us from God, but God made a way to deal with sin because he wants, God wants to bring us back together with him. He wants to unify us with himself. This is why the devil is a divider. He, he's trying to He's trying to subvert. He's trying to ruin. He's trying to pull apart. And so we have one enemy, church, and it is not each other. We have one enemy, and it's not our brothers and sisters. It's not our friends. It's not our coworkers. It's not, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not people. Ephesians 6.12, look at what it says. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, check this out, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Look, there's a war going on, but it is not a war with that person who has a different view than you. There is a battle going on, but it is not the other Christian in your church who is thinking differently about a political subject. They are not your enemy. You don't have to crush them with your argument. This, this is a problem in our culture in general, but it's seeping its way into the church and we gotta be able to withstand it. We gotta be able to keep from being divided, from keep, keep us from our conversation turning devices, divisive. And it's not a person that you're warring against, not a, the battle is not with another person of a different skin color. The battle is not with a person who, who makes more than you. Financially, it's, it's not, a, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with that. There is a darkness. There is a principality. There are powers that are active in our world and in our culture. And we have to be the ones who will stand up against it. We have to be the ones that will respond in an opposite spirit Instead of anger and argumentative, we respond with empathy and compassion. Instead of being angry, we, we, we have a soft answer that turns away anger, according to the scriptures. Look, these are the things we've got to embrace because we are never at war with people. We are never at war with any other person. It's foolish to think that, it's foolish, listen to me, church, it's foolish to think that the person that we disagree with 
we can't love them. We, you can love people you disagree with. You know how I know? I have five children. I have five kids. I've disagreed with them many, many times throughout their life. Dad, I want to go out and play in the street. No, that's a bad idea. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with that one. Listen, we have to learn how to love each other because we have one enemy and it's not people. Is it possible to disagree on a particular subject with another member of the body of Christ and have good discussion? Yes, it is. Let's do that. Let's be, let's be empathetic as we talk about the subjects and the cultural moment that we live in. Let's, let's, let's be aware of what's going on around us. Let's be careful about how we move through this process it will require more relationship than ever before. It will require more compassion and more understanding, more perspective that helps you see from the other person's point of view and probably less Facebook posts. Just saying. Here's the truth. We are always at war with the prince of darkness. There is never a time when you're not in this battle. Just because everything's heated up right now, just because people are really wrestling, just because we're headed up to a, a, a national presidential campaign, you're going to see a lot of people fighting. But make no mistake, my friends, we're always in a battle. And this is why you and I must come together in this next season in some more intentional ways. I want, us to, I want us to invest in the spiritual temperature of our church and what's going on in our city. I want us to invest and stir up the hunger for God's presence and God's intervention in our lives and in our, our culture and in our church. I want to go into the fall season with our spiritual armor intact. And that's why I'm calling our church to some action items, all right? Here it is. Here it is. Worship is one of the most important things that we do. In fact, worship is warfare. When you exalt God above everything else, when you get a better picture, a better perspective from worshiping God and what He sees, right? Instead of worshiping just from your lowly perspective, but you lift your eyes and you see things when you worship God and you put Him in that place of honor and you put Him in charge and you exalt Him, you start to see things from His point of view and not your own. We got to become worshipers we got to become the kind of people that are going to lift Jesus up at every turn and, and not do anything that pulls his name down or soils his reputation in any way. we got to be the people that are sensitive to his presence and his spirit and attentive to what he's saying. So we're going to do, here's what we're going to do in, 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 in the coming month here. Next week, we're going to start outdoor services. We start August 2nd. And indoors in September. That's our goal. That's our plan. Who, who really knows if, it's, if it can happen, right? But this is our plan. This is where we're headed. And so I want, you to, I want you to show up in our Sunday morning service. Let's worship together. Let's, let's do something to move ourselves forward. With, even with, this, with face masks and with social distancing, I don't care. We're going to do this at each campus and we're going to do it outdoors. And then the next thing I want to highlight to you is prayer is a priority. We're gonna, uh, prayer is one of the most important things. It's, it's, the, it's the air we breathe as a Christian. 
Prayer is our number one thing that we've got to be engaged in because prayer is collaborative. It's not as much about information as it is about collaboration. God knows what's going on. Prayer gets us into collaborating with Him. And He begins to speak to us about His strategy in prayer. And so I think it's so such a priority for our church. And because of this, I'm going to call our church to a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. We're going to start on August 23rd and we're going to go to September 12th. This is so important. I want you to pray. I want you to fast because, because here's the thing. Prayer is priority, but fasting is fundamental. Fasting is really foundational because it's, when you fast, what happens is it doesn't get God to do stuff. It puts you in a better position to hear Him. It puts us in a better position to lock arms with Him and to move forward. It puts us in a position of humility. We start to quiet the, the, the voices of our soul and our physical body and allow the Spirit's voice, the, the Holy Spirit in us to speak louder. It gets us free to fight the enemy. We're not enslaved to our own desires. When you fast, you get free to fight the enemy. You deal with your desires. You put them in the right place and you let God have his way. So please understand this during this next season of One Chapel. Please understand where we're headed. We got to come together instead of pull apart. We got we to gotta lift each other up instead of tear each other down. And we got to be sensitive to this. We got to dialogue with each other with respect, not argue with anger. And if we agree, listen to this, if we agree on the fact that we have one enemy, if we agree on the fact that we have an enemy and it is a spiritual battle, not a battle with another person, that begins to sharpen our focus. It begins to sharpen our focus because we don't just have one enemy. We have one purpose. One purpose that we have to embrace together. One purpose that God is giving us and sending us out into our city with. And we got to grab a hold of this. Look at what Ephesians 2.10 says. It says, God creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he's gotten us ready to do, work we had better be doing. We have to get back to our primary purpose. We have to get back to our mission, living it out in the community because we are collaborators with Christ. Make no mistake, don't get lulled into a position of forgetting in this pandemic while you've been sequestered at home, while you, you've been quarantined, while you've been hunkered down at home, don't forget that you're, you're called to be the light of the world, you and I. We're called to a purpose that's beyond our home and beyond our church. Because I promise you, God is reaching out to people all over this region and has been. And there is, there is great work to be done if we will just open our eyes to the harvest that is ahead. I want to challenge you. I think there are tens of thousands of people in our city who are ready to turn their hearts to Jesus. They just need, they just need someone who will talk to them about it, someone who will give them a nudge, some, somehow someone who will invite them to church. 
And so we're coming together. We're putting together team one again. And that's so important for us to start serving and start to think about how we're going to move forward together as a church. We're giving together in, in our, with our resources and, and we're doing so many of these things as we ramp up into the fall. So many of you have given faithfully through this season. I want to say thank you. And it really matters because listen, because listen, our oneness creates a generosity. Our oneness creates a generosity that means we are a storehouse. We, we, are, we are putting things into a storehouse. So there, there is not a need we can't meet when everybody chooses to give. When every person decides, I'm going to give my first and my best. Even in this most difficult economic time, it's a percentage thing, right? Like just, just give a certain percentage and if all of us will give, God will make up the rest. God will provide what we need. And so let's be faithful in our giving. Let's become a generous family. Let's make sure this is, this is in our DNA. This is, this is what we've always been about. Every person is welcome. Jesus loves every one of us and everyone in this city and that's why we're here. And I want to encourage you that as we look ahead, there will be temptations for you to kind of go backwards. Some of you even now have drifted apart a little bit. You're, you're kind of out on the fringe. Somehow you haven't stayed connected. I want to encourage you, come on home. Come on home. Jesus is calling you. He's reaching out to you. And there's a moment here as we go forward. It's been a really hard season for me. It's been a hard season for you. I get that. And I think there are even some difficult seasons ahead for us, which is why we need each other even more. So I want to encourage you. Listen, the coronavirus isn't going away. Coronavirus is going to be here with us, but it doesn't have to define us. It doesn't have to defeat us. The national conversation on race is going to continue. It needs to continue. It doesn't have to pull us apart. I know God called us together for a future that is bigger than we know right now. But it means so much more than just launching physical gatherings in September. It means so much more than just a new building for Austin that's coming. It means so much more than just planting 10 campuses over the next few years. It, 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 there's a more profound idea because, because becoming unified does something. It, it fuels us. It fills us with a courage a courageous spirit from God's spirit in us to be the carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a strategy that God has for unity. Unity is not just relegated to a protection from divisive behavior. It's not just about trying to get people not to be mean to each other. That's not, that's not all unity is for. I want you to hear me, church. Unity is a powerful and strategic force for evangelism. Because in our culture, when anyone agrees from different walks of life, from different socioeconomic levels, from different political perspectives, when they agree together, the world takes notice. There's a miracle. 
Here's how Jesus prayed it over his disciples in John 17, verse 20. This is our namesake scripture. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for all those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. Jesus was praying for us that all of them may be, there it is again, one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world, look, look at the reason, look at the reason, so that the world will believe. The world may believe you have sent me. There is a strategic premise that underlies unity. There's something powerful that begins to operate in our church when we are aware of each other, when we love one another, when we are willing to lay our lives down for each other, when we are willing to dialogue in a, in a spirit of good faith and love and, and peace, when we make every effort to stay together, keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, that's what we're looking for. Because every man, every woman, every child in this city needs repeated opportunities to hear the message, to see the message, to understand the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our purpose. Stop quibbling with the small stuff. Take a look around and realize you've got one enemy and let's unite together to defeat that enemy. He is defeated. He is defeated. Jesus did that at the cross. You and I just need to act like it. And we have one purpose. And I want us to fulfill that purpose more than anything else in my life. This is who we are. This is why we exist. This is where we're going. <laughs> this is how we're going to move forward. Let's not get distracted from that. Let's not, let's not, let's not get distracted from our purpose and from what God is trying to do with us. Come on, go with me. Let's take this next journey together. Now I wanna pray with you as we finish up here because some of you need to repent. Some of you need to, some of you are sitting here and you're hearing me speak and you're like, I wanna be a part of something like that, but I've opted out. Somehow I've just, I've just drifted. I don't know, Pastor Ross, I don't know. Come on, come with us. You are needed, you are necessary. You're part of the body of Christ. Come on, lean back in. Stop leaning out. I also want the people, all of you who are listening to this talk and you're realizing, man, I've, I haven't been thoughtful or empathetic towards anyone. I've just been making my argument. I want you to repent of that. Because while having the discussion or having the disagreement is not sinful, causing disunity, being divisive is. And so we need to repent of that. We need to repent that we haven't been thoughtful enough or careful enough or compassionate enough. And so let's, let's do this together. And, and I'm talking about both sides of the political aisle on this one, friends. We need to be careful and we need to be unified together. And I want you to repent of that. Some of you some of you, you're hearing this message maybe for the first time. You're like, I'm I have been far away from Jesus and I need to come home. I want to pray with you. Come on, let's all pray together. Father, we come to you and we just repent. Repentance means turning the other direction. In this season, we choose you above everything else. We want to be discipled by Jesus. We repent for listening too much to other voices and we want to listen to your voice. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in and clean us up. We, ex we, we receive the conviction 
and the work you're doing inside of us, the humility that's required right now for us to pray and ask you to do what only you can do inside of us. Lord, we pray this. Forgive us, Lord, for not listening. Forgive us for not paying attention. Forgive us for getting caught up in the moments. Forgive us for being discipled by others. We want to be discipled by you. We want to follow you, Jesus. And so, Lord, we do that now. We choose you. We choose to come to you. And we choose to embrace you. Embrace your way and to embrace your will, and to embrace your people. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your great purpose that you have for us, even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of the struggle, even in the midst of all we're facing. Lord, you have a purpose and you have a plan. So we grab a hold of that today for our own lives. Each of us do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you made that decision for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, I want you to click the link on the connection card. And uh, that link will take you just, it'll take about 20 seconds. You'll just fill it out because here's the truth. None of us can do this alone. Everybody needs somebody to walk with them on this journey of faith. Would you do that with us? Just take a moment right there and click on that link right in the comments section. All right. Thank you guys for being with me today. Thank you for listening to this message, even though it maybe it was a little imperfect or, or I said things maybe a little too straight. I hope you'll hear my heart. I hope you'll understand what Jesus is saying to you and that we can move forward together. So the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Go in peace.